Um, today I wrap up our series that we've been doing uh, open-handed, where we've been looking at what it means to live generously. So we've talked about sacrificial giving way back in the beginning with the, the widow and the widow's mites. We've talked about missions and stewardship. Last week we had a panel discussion on tithing, which I thought was awesome, even though I was on it and didn't get to, get, didn't get to you know, watch and, and you know, just listen. But I love hearing different people's perspective and different people telling their stories on giving and tithing and the journey that they've been making. And all of these topics have been, are, are aspects of what it means and what it looks like to live generously. Generosity is not determined by how much money you give. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's not a financial amount. See, because you can be a solid giver, a great financial giver, but you can be stingy with your time or your love. You could also be generous with your talents and, and with, with helping people. And you've got all the time in the world for people. And you'll help everybody, anybody, all the time. But you don't give anything financially. You can be generous in friendship, but at the same time unwilling to extend forgiveness when you've been wronged. See, Jesus is looking for us to be generous in every way. Not just one area. See, our generosity shows people what God is like. Right? John 3.16. Most of us know this, this scripture inside and out, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. See, when God provided a way for salvation, for eternal life, he didn't just do it for a small group of people. He didn't just do it for, for like the elect or the, the chosen ones. He did it for all people of all time everywhere. Now that doesn't mean all people all time everywhere are going to receive salvation because it's still a choice. But the saving power of Jesus, that act on the cross, was enough for salvation for all humanity for all time, whether or not they choose to receive it. See, that's generous. It was more than enough. It's over the top. It's abundant. And it comes from a place of his love for us, his love for people, right? For God so loved that he gave. See, generosity flows from the place of love. The great theologian, Olaf, the snowman, may have said it best. Watch this short video. Love is putting someone else's needs before yours. See, you can't separate love and generosity. They go hand in hand. Have you ever felt loved after receiving just the bare minimum? You get just enough. You're, I'm not that spiritual. Sometimes when I, when I get just enough, 
I'm very thankful. But I haven't felt like love was communicated to me. On the other side, when, when, I've, when I've been the, the recipient of generosity, where, where something has happened and it's been over, over and above, more than enough, I just feel love communicated and demonstrated to me. See, when someone's generous, you feel that love statement coming from behind it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, Paul says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Christ's ambassadors. See, an ambassador is a diplomatic agent that's sent from one country to another country to represent the sending country. And it's the job of the ambassador to display the qualities and the values of the country that sent them. It's like, it's, it's, it's literally, it's a representing of the one that sent you. You represent them. As followers of Jesus, we are to look, act, sound like Jesus because we represent him in the world. And we cannot accurately represent Jesus without having generous hands. See, as we disciple people, as we disciple people in their faith, we're not simply looking to raise up good givers. We want to raise up generous people. God is a generous God, and there is nothing that he does that isn't over the top, more than enough, and abundant. It's just who he is because God, at his core, is generous. And you'll be as generous as your understanding of God. See, if you don't understand or you don't have the revelation of a limitless God, then your generosity is going to be limited. But if you know that your Father in heaven has all things and has all resources and has, is, is, is limitless, then your generosity is going to match the revelation in your understanding of God. See, you love extravagantly because you've been loved extravagantly, right? Jesus loves you extravagantly and that's why you can love extravagantly. You freely forgive because you've been freely forgiven, right? You give generously because you know that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father who is in heaven. Every good thing in your life, whether acknowledged or not, has come from God. You extend friendship because Jesus extended friendship to you when I least deserved it. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But Jesus still extended friendship to me. See, God's generosity goes far beyond finances and physical resources. And our generosity needs to as well. What a sad image of Jesus we reflect when we live with closed hands. We're called to live open-handed. Generosity, you know, is not an investment because generosity doesn't seek anything in return. Like, we're not generous so that we get something back. Jesus wasn't generous with salvation. It wasn't an investment into humanity, an investment into people because that's love with strings attached to it. And if you've, if you've ever been loved or shown affection, or friendship, and there's been strings attached to it, it just feels wrong. It feels, it feels kind of dirty, right? Like, you know, oh, this, they just want something from me. That's why they're spending time with me. 
See, Jesus loves regardless of reciprocation. You can choose not to love him. You can, it's, it's, it's full within your rights to choose to hate Jesus. But he will love you anyway. And he will demonstrate his love to you over and over and over and over. And he will not stop trying to draw you into him with kindness. Received or not, Jesus gives for us. It's not for himself. See, generosity shows people what Jesus is like because Jesus is generous. Generosity also demonstrates a heart that's been transformed by Jesus. Psalms 37 and verse 21 says, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. See, it's the righteous and the godly that carry the characteristic of generosity, not the wicked. Because true generosity, where nothing is expected in return, where you just freely give, it flows out of love. It comes from a heart that's been transformed by Jesus. See, if someone doesn't know Jesus... They might be a good giver. They can be really good at, at, at you know, giving finances away to charities or even, even to, to churches or, or to people and helping people. But it's not generous because you can't be generous apart from Jesus. See, when we, when we surrender our lives and we invite Jesus to come in and we say, I want you to be my God. You are my king and I surrender to you. There is a transformation that takes place first on the inside. See, he takes our brokenness, he takes our woundedness, and he begins to heal our hearts and our spirits and our minds. And we grow and we mature and we become healthy. And generosity is a tangible expression of a mature heart and a healthy spirit. So turn, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we'll kind of look at a longer piece of, of Scripture. We won't read the whole thing, but we'll look at, at different pieces. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Here, Jesus, he tells a couple parables, and then he begins to speak. And this isn't a parable. This is, this is Jesus speaking about when he returns. Okay, so in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends. This is after his, his death and his resurrection. He ascends into heaven, and there's coming a day when Jesus returns. When he comes back in physical form. And it's not going to be like the little baby in the manger that as we're getting ready and set to celebrate Christmas. When Jesus returns, he comes as King Jesus in all of his glory and all of his authority and with all of his angels with him. It will be quite the sight. So this is, this is what Jesus is talking about. It's not a parable. He's telling us what's going to happen. And in verse 32, he says that all the nations, all the nations will come, will be gathered before him. And that word uh, nations in the Greek is ethnos, where we get our word ethnicity from. This is all the people, all the ethnicities, all the cultures, all the races. This is all of humanity with no one left out. Because Jesus isn't just king over those who follow him. Jesus is king over all. All of humanity will be gathered before King Jesus. And he will separate them into two groups. He puts one on his left and he puts one on his right. And in verse 34 it reads this. Then the king, this is Jesus, will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. So Jesus calls this group on his right, he calls them the righteous ones. The ones that are inheriting the kingdom of God. And they are going to be with him forever in eternity. This is heaven. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is for all of eternity. The relationship that they have with Jesus was demonstrated by their generosity. Which interestingly enough, Jesus took personally. When they were generous, he took it personally. He speaks to this group on the right and he tells them, you know, I was hungry and you you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you came to see me. And they are genuinely confused. Jesus is talking about all these things that they did to him and did for him, but they've got no memory of ever seeing him. See, they showed generosity to people and Jesus took that as generosity to himself. So it's important here at this point to just kind of push pause and make sure that something is extremely clear. That, they, that, that no one can earn or work your way to salvation. The Bible is very clear on this. Salvation isn't earned. It's not worked for. Salvation is received. It's given. It's by faith alone. What this is, what Jesus is talking about, is the evidence of a life that's been transformed by him. See, when you live for Jesus, the inside transformation shows up on the outside and generosity is a defining trait of those that follow Jesus that's been transformed by his love and his power. See, we see the same theme picked up in the book of James, chapter 2. Verse 14 says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go, be be at peace, be blessed, be warmed and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith. By my works. See, the transforming power of Jesus when it comes into your life by faith, there has to be evidence of it. Like we can't just run around and tell people that we are Christians and we are followers of Jesus and have no evidence of it in our life. I think we can all agree that we've seen enough of that in society. People running around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and then they do horrible things. Because they're not showing or demonstrating that transforming faith, that transforming power of Jesus on the inside is not coming out on the outside. They may believe in Jesus here, but they're not believing in Jesus here. Because when you believe Jesus with your spirit and you invite him in and you say, you are my king, which means I submit I am, as we sang this morning, drawn to my knees. I am sweetly broken. 
and I live for Jesus, when that's your reality, that transformation takes place on the inside and it comes out and can be seen. Excuse me, takes place on the inside and it can be seen on the outside. I mean, you, we can run around and say we're Christians all day long and it doesn't make us Christians. It doesn't make us followers of Jesus. It's interesting that the examples that James gives for the evidence of faith are acts of generosity. So I, I know that you see that and you can be like, well, that's, that's compassion and that's love. Yeah, 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 it is. But the, you know, the, that, that felt tangible reality of compassion and love is generosity. You know, my reality before Jesus, before I submitted my life to Jesus, I was self-centered and I only did things that benefited me. Even if it seemed like, like I was doing things that were helping other people, I was still getting something out of it. If I didn't get anything out of it, then I, I didn't do it. But when Jesus became my king, when I said yes and I submitted my life to him, all of that changed. I began to give of my finances. I began to give of my time. I began to give myself in friendship. I began to serve at the church. I mean, I, 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 I ran, I, I ran uh, the sound for a Saturday kids church ministry as soon as I gave my life to Jesus, I started, I started doing it, and I was getting nothing out of it. I was just giving. There was a transformation that took place on the inside of me. See, when Jesus has transformed your life, generosity becomes your default setting. If we look back to Matthew chapter 25, Jesus spoke to the group that was on his right. Then Jesus also turns and he speaks to the group that's on his, on his left. And he sends them to eternal fire. This is hell. This is eternity separated from Jesus. It is, it is a reality. It's not, you know, theoretical. Like there will come a day when our decision to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus ends up determining our eternal reality. We are with him forever or we are not. And I know I, I, I say that, that he sends them to you know, eternal fire, but you know, truth is that Jesus doesn't send anyone there. There's a choice made. The choice is made to follow Jesus or the choice is made to reject Jesus. It's a choice. See, they, they did not display the marks of a follower of Jesus. They didn't feed, clothe, visit, or show hospitality to people. They didn't show generosity, and Jesus took that personally. See, when we are generous to people, Jesus counts it as generosity towards him. And if we withhold our generosity, then he sees it as being withheld from him. You know, throughout the New Testament, there is a tremendous emphasis placed on generosity. More so than on tithing. And this is, see, the New Testament reinforces what is taught in the Old Testament about tithing. It 100% reinforces and affirms all of the Old Testament tithing um, teachings. See, but you can tithe 
and not be a follower of Jesus. So that, that does, that's not one of the things where, you know, Jesus isn't looking for that checklist of, oh, they tithe, cool, they're, they're coming in, they, you know. But generosity comes from a transformed heart. See, the goal is not tithing. The goal is generosity. Tithing is really just the starting place. So when we talk about tithing, right, we don't, we don't give our tithe. We return our tithe. Because he gave it to us first, right? He gives us the 100% and he says 10%, that's mine. But I'm giving it to you and I'm trusting you're just going to return it, right? That's, that's what tithing is. And that's kind of the starting place of generosity. But giving finances is one thing. But as we've already talked, generosity goes way beyond money to the giving of love and compassion and friendship and forgiveness and hospitality and time and more. Generosity is a window to the heart and you can see who sits on the throne. See, my hope and my prayer for us as a church is that we are a generous people. I said, I don't want us to just to be good givers. That's not, that's not what I want. I want us to, be, to, to, to experience the transforming power of Jesus and have that touch every area of our lives. Your family, your friends, your time, and your wallet. See, when we live with generous hands, we show people what Jesus is like. And we demonstrate a heart transformed by him. I understand that sometimes there are very real things that prevent us from living generously. And these are, tr truthfully, honestly, these are not external things. It's not the external things that, that prevent us from living generously. It's the internal things, the things on the inside. It's fear. It's hurts. We've been wounded. We've got mindsets and past experiences, mindsets where we, where we feel like, well, if I give, then I'm not going to have anything left for me. That's, that's what we call a poverty mindset. See, it's the internal things that prevent us from living generously. But we, we as followers of Jesus, we can't allow these things to stop us from the generous life we've been called to. We've got to seek healing. We've got to seek freedom from, from, from all of these things from Jesus. And then we act in faith on what he has done. Right? The Bible says, whom has been set free is free Indeed, right? When we are set free, we are truly set free. Jesus doesn't break the chains one chain at a time. He breaks them all. And sometimes we just hold tightly to them and we don't let them go. So in a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to ask Jesus to set us free and bring healing to us internally for the things that are preventing us from living generously on the outside. So I ask Holy Spirit that you would come and that you would speak. I know you have been speaking, but you would put your finger on the things in our hearts and maybe in the things in our minds, the things in our past experiences that are holding us back from living generously in all areas of our life, whether it's a wound in a relationship that prevents us now from being generous in friendship and generous in forgiveness, or whether it's a financial thing. Holy Spirit, begin to speak to us, and whatever is there, 
that's keeping us from living out the generous life that you've called us to, I just ask that you begin to reveal that now. So we're going to pray in a moment as Holy Spirit speaks, but I also want to challenge you with something. If you struggle with generosity, living generously, then I want, to, I want you to, to, to take a challenge and activate your faith. So we're going to pray that, that we, we're going to be set free and we're going to break some things off. And then it's our job, our responsibility to step out in faith and activate that freedom, to really step in that freedom. And this is, this is the challenge. I'm calling it Keep the Change Challenge. So for seven days, if you struggle with generosity, for seven days, when you are, whenever you are presented with an opportunity to round up on a purchase or donate to a cause or to tip a server or a barista, I simply want you to say, keep the change. It's just a small way to stretch yourself in being generous. It's not, look, it's not looking to do one huge generous thing. You will... You will see more done in your life if you do the, the small, consistent things over and over and over than working yourself up just to do one huge thing. Okay? So this is about the, the small, achievable actions because they get you further than one big action. So you buy a cup of coffee for three sixty five dollars and you pay with the $5 bill, keep the change. You're going out for lunch. Tip a little bit more than you usually would. Keep the change. Would you like to support the Children's Miracle Network today? You bet I would. Keep the change. Someone cuts you off in traffic. They cut you off and then they, you know, very demonstrably tell you you're number one. Will you bless them and you forgive them? Keep the change. Your spouse usually cleans the house. Why don't you help? Help them do it. Or do it for them. Keep the change. See, small acts of generosity over the next seven days, and I believe that you'll begin to step into the freedom that Jesus has already placed upon your life and the fullness of the generosity potential that you have within you. So I challenge you, keep the change. All right, let's pray. I just want you to just close your eyes. Just kind of lock in with, with Jesus for a moment. Jesus, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful. Your presence has been so thick right from the very beginning of the service throughout worship. I just sensed you. It was powerful. It was sweet. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are, you are speaking. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break fear in our lives, the fear in our hearts of not having enough, whether it's not having enough financially, not having enough uh, resources, relationally, in the name of Jesus, fear be broken. And I pray that you'd fill and flood us with your love because perfect love casts out all fear. Father, I pray that you would break mindset of poverty, the poverty mindset, where we live in lack and we hoard and we hold on to the things that we have and we are afraid to let them go 
fearful that we won't have enough, this poverty mindset. And God, you bring revelation. So I pray the opposite. You bring the revelation of your limitlessness. You are more than enough. You are abundant. In fact, you are too much. And I pray that there is a spirit of wisdom and revelation released over us today that we would know and understand your limitlessness. Father, I pray for wounds of the heart and of the spirit from times where, where, where people have been taken advantage of, where they've been taken advantage of maybe relationally, maybe they've been manipulated and coerced into giving. God, and there's just this wound and now the walls are up Jesus, I pray that you'd wrap your arms around those struggling with wounds that are preventing them from being generous. You'd wrap your arms around them and you would melt the walls with your love. And you'd minister to their heart and to their spirit where those wounds have taken place. And you'd bring freedom. You'd release them from the chains that they've been holding on to that have prevented them from stepping into the fullness of the freedom that you have for them. I pray, God, that you bring healing for times when vulnerability in relationships was given, that trust was extended, and then it was broken. And people wounded us because we were vulnerable and they took advantage of that and they hurt us when we opened ourselves up. Speak to hearts. That we, would under, that we would know and understand that the answer is not to wall up and protect ourselves. That just makes us lonely. But the answer is to forgive, to extend that forgiveness and to receive your healing. The Holy Spirit, you are the only one here that knows the depths of the, the pain, the mindsets, the fear, the chains that are holding us in freedom. So I ask that you would do a deep dive into each one of us. I thank you for your freedom. Jesus, I thank you for your freedom. I thank you for your freedom. Amen.